1: Emergency podcast, sound the alarm. Dylan, 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 Dylan. Gronovegen has left Jumbo visma to go to team bike exchange. Maybe there'll be a new Tietima remix. Saturday morning, news breaks. Gronovegen shock transfer to bike exchange. We're going to speak as well in this podcast, uh, which is in full form on podcast players on Teish uh, Note leaving DSM to Jumbo visma on the Omi-Opi final judgment as well as uh, the Olivia Ray criterium issues that have happened in this last week. It almost looks like a genuine transfer. The big sprinter for Jumbo Visma, winner of Tour de France stages. He's came back from suspension in the Giro. Benji, you've got the press releases ready from both teams. Kind of the the, the opposite of what we saw with Ilan Van Wilde DSM to Quick Step in terms of PR
2: here. Yes, certainly. We had a situation where at nine fifty nine this morning European time, Yumbo releases a press release. Uh, we grant Hulkenberg transfer opportunity for sporting reasons. Like first thing that comes to mind when reading that title is sporting reasons being that he probably didn't fit in the Tour de France team. But we'll talk about that after I finish reading this uh, short summary of the uh, article that they brought out. Basically, they say, "Oh, we're happy with." how Grunewagen wrote for us. He's done a lot for us in the past, and he received an offer from a team, an attractive, sportive offer from another team for next season, and they decided to dissolve the contract after mutually agreeing on it. There's not too much more outside of that in this article, so it's basically just hyping up the career he had with Jambo Visma. and I think that's a good thing because, uh, yeah, it's, it's indeed the opposite of what Van Wilder had, right?
1: The Ilan van Wilder quick-step thing, yeah, just with, it was a bit a sour taste in everyone's mouth, it seemed. Whereas Gronevegen it's pretty obvious here. He won Tour de France stages in 17, 18, 19. 2020 doesn't get taken to the Tour de France because they're going for Roglic and Van Aert. 2021 doesn't get taken to the Tour de France, probably also maybe not in the best condition for it. It's like he's 28 years old. He's probably maybe thinking, I've got three, four years left at the top. He still is at the top in my view. I think he's still a top, top. Yeah sprinter and so it makes sense he wants to he wants to go what I want to bring out of that press release from Jumbo Visma Benji is they said he came to us with an attractive offer from another team and he was already under contract with Jumbo Visma so what I'd I'd like to know is i got to check the UCI rules. I assumed if you, you can't just go to another team and say to a rider under contract for 2022, hey, do you want to ride for us and give them an offer? Is, isn't is that like tampering? I presume that's prohibited, but maybe that's just agents. I know that agents can't tamper with riders who are with other agents, but um, maybe Yumbo Visma gave him permission. They're like, listen, you're not going to tour next year. Go out to the market. See what offers you can get. If you get one, come back to us and uh, away we go. What I do- want to ask me, oh, the Bex, before we get to the Bex press release and the Bex side of this, Benji, do you reckon Jumbo Visma got a kickback from this? Or this is all about they get a salary off the books for a guy they're not even sending to the Tour anyway?
2: I think it's the latter because we have to look at what they did there. And yes, they had uh, Wout Aert go to the Tour de France instead of Grunewijn for the last two years. And it paid off for them. Like, to be honest, it paid off. And it's not like they don't have young sprinters in their team either. Koya and Decker are lining up for races, and we were speaking about it already at the Giro preview, I think. Which printer are they sending to the Giro? And now, it's likely not going to be Grunewin for Jumbo, because uh, he's not at the team anymore. So, are they going to offer up an opportunity to Koi and Decker, who might be lining up for a Grand Tour for their first time, second time for Decker, um, this year then, in 2022? I don't know, it's, uh, it's definitely an opportunity now, and I think it is a good situation for all parties involved. You've got Jumbo, who is losing their salary like you said the salary of grunewagen off their books yes they probably would have been happy to keep him just because they have a, a good relationship with the man most likely that's what i can read from the uh press release at least but then again that could be for pr purposes but um all in all i think for grunewagen as well it's a good option because yeah he's one of the best sprinters in the world and he wants to do the best races in the world and if you can't ride it to the france then you can't ride the best race in the world
1: I think this just makes so much sense from from all sides. In that, Yumbo gets salary off books for a guy who they're not using to justify, you know, that salary, which is big Tour de France wins, because they have other objectives. And then, okay, you send him to the Giro. Well, they have, as we we've spoken about before, a core of young sprinters coming through, and already we saw Decker's opportunities being curtailed by Gronavegan in the Giro d'Italia. So that opens up Coy and Decker now in Giro d'Welter, and then for Gronavegan. It's like, as I said, you got a limited peak. And then now moving to Bike Exchange, Benji, they've got some statements from Copeland, uh, I believe, it for Bike Exchange, but we mentioned we just did the Bike Exchange preview. It's almost like it was in the preview. By the way, we did the preview off the back of – we made sure they announced their full roster because we were, a lot of teams haven't. And they were like, okay, we're we're safe to do backs. I interviewed their new lead out man, Kel O'Brien, who didn't – you know, I didn't know about this either – and um and then this drops like three four days l- later. But for bike exchange, Benji, as we said, they had no. You you really you're not as high on Groves as me. But even I'm not I'm not delusional. I'm just saying, Caden Groves go to the Tour de France going to win sprint stage next year. Do you think they this is to take the load off Matthews and they're going to send Vegan as premium sprint to the Tour de France and have Matthews do Giro of Welter.
2: 100% when it comes to sending Grunewagen to the Tour de France. I'm not sure about the Mathieu situation yet, but I feel like Grunewagen is one of the best sprinters in the world. And if you sign him, then you're definitely going to be lining up for the Tour de France because we spoke in our Bike Exchange preview very recently that we feel like this is a team with a lot of miscellaneous riders in it. And with a Grand Tour team, with Simon Yates going to the Giro, for example, then you're going to need to have a prime leader that can win races left and right and you can't just send Lucas Hamilton for GC alone and expect that to work out. So we were already thinking Simon Yates could go there for stage wins and so forth. With Grunewagen going there, that's much better because you actually have options of winning Tour de France stages with him. Next to that, next to the Tour de France, they can definitely get more victories like this along the way. Because we also weren't very high when it comes to their wins throughout the season. But I do believe they're gonna win races with Grunewagen as a sprinter. But the question there is now He's signing up for three years. Who do they have in their team? Matthews, Mezgetch, they have uh, Cal O'Brien, for example. They've got quite a few riders that have a sprint and quite a few riders that could fit in a bit of a sprint train, but does Kronomek even need a sprint train at the Tour de France or does he just need one rider that brings him to the front in the wheel of the Koenig?
1: I I think sprint trains are kind of overrated. FDJ had a great sprint train and at the end of the day, that meant that they often in races like Provence, etc., would go to the front, try and control things from like 3Ks to go. They even did it in the Vuelta, and then they get swamped. Alberson used their sprint train. Uh, we're going to talk sprint train in terms of controlling stages from far. I think Beck's also a bit light, but Alberson will control from far, but then when it gets to the run-in, they disappear. Go and watch the Tour de France sprint stages that Cavendish won, Quickstep are not at the front at 3Ks to go. They're not there. They go to the back of the pelts because, like, hot take, you don't win the race at 3Ks to go. There's no finish line there. You want to be at the front when it matters. And Quickstep came to the front with 1,600 metres to go. And even then, sometimes a little bit early, and Alperson could come up late. And so I think it's more important to have a good last man. I think Turnison was is an underrated last man. The question is, can... The more important question is not can they put f- four guys together in a sprint train. It's more can Kel O'Brien and Mezgetz, those two, or another guy with Mezgetz and Gronavegan can they get Vegan in top five wheels with 250 meters to go and with a bit of space? And if, if they can do that, then it should be okay. I, I think they should be able to do that. In terms of good lead out Benji, I see Alpsen and Quickstep, and then the rest is mm-hmm. meh, like Lotto. Juries out on them. So what's your
2: view on it? Like, Because I think Gründel should be fine. I think he should be fine as well. He's won a lot without leadouts in the past, but also the fact that he's got this mate in the team. Amund Gründel Janssen rode with him quite a few times in his sprint trains in the past, but also as a rider that solely was there to bring a sprinter to the front. It's with Wout van in that, was it Tour de France? Uh, I don't know. I recall the Tourneson victory in Brussels at the Tour de France start in one of the years i think it was 2019 i could be wrong at that but um uh, i feel like uh, jansen was important there to get ternison to the front to get riders to the front last minute to try and get those stage wins same way that jansen did so for Wout van Aude in that stage win, where viviani had uh, his weird face looking at Wout van not crossing the line winning his first uh to the front sprint so uh all those things combined i think that jansen can do this but he hasn't really shown much in the year that he was at Bike Exchange. So that's the worry there. Mezgetch and uh, Matthews, I don't see Matthews being a lead-up. Uh, that's straightforward for me. He's done so for K's Bull in the past, but that didn't go very far at DSM. But then again, that's mainly uh, partially DSM's fault, I would say. But um, yeah, all in all, I think that he's going to be fine here and he's going to win stages.
1: I think, yeah, i just like to really commend both teams, actually, on how this has been handled, even if it wasn't... Even if it wasn't so amicable behind closed doors, public facing, this looks like, you know, very professionally done. And if you're Yumbo Visma, you've just avoided what you've seen happen for the last three, four years at Bora hansgrohe Grower. You know, they have the Peter Sagan equivalent in Wildfire Art in, in the guy that the superstar going for green. And then they've got the guy like Bennett or Ackerman. Dylan Cronenweg and sitting behind who's a top sprinter de- being denied opportunities. They've avoided all those problems and nastiness and they've also saved themselves some money. So makes so much sense for both teams. And as Benji said, we were looking at Matthews and Simon Yates and then where else could they be winning races from a bike exchange? They've now added a guy who should win more races than both of those two. Uh, so Combined. Combined, most likely, yeah. And yeah. And it frees up Matthews. And I went on a pretty impassioned defence of Matthews in the Brex preview just saying, listen, there's not many riders who's the Cobble Classics leader, Arden leader, Tour de France bunch sprint leader, green leader, Vuelta sprinter, and also, you know, trying to go for Hilly stage in Vuelta and Paranese. So this takes a load off Matthews, and I'd like to see Benji, you know, Brugger de Panna, he doesn't have to do anymore. Send Gronerwegen. Um those races, it just it takes a bit of a load off there. But yeah, I think it's great. And uh what would you have a hot take, Benji? How many World Tour races does Gronavegan win in twenty twenty two? I think he wins
2: three. I think he wins four. Four. Yeah. World tour wins, right? Not Grand Tour wins. So
1: Yeah, that's that's a lot, but he's pretty good. And he's he'll be back. fine.
2: He'll be fine. <laughs>
1: Anyway, that's the Dylan Groenewegen shock transfer. Let us know. Were you surprised? I was. Frankly, I was surprised. Like, but <laughs> then it made a lot of sense when I sort of thought through it, uh, particularly as it dropped on a Saturday morning. Probably just before was he? I think he's probably about to get on a flight, Benji, to their team camp, unless they're already there. So, just to go on a flight elsewhere to their to the bike exchange team camp, which is soon. But anyway, moving on to the next news, which is uh, Teish Benot. Leaving DSM, and this is kind of the opposite, but before we do that, mention our show partner, LaCole, who produced performance cycling apparel-based in the UK, expanding quickly internationally, now sponsoring Bora Hansgrohe Back in the World Tour next year, as well as ambassadors Lara, Wiggins, and Johan Nuzio. I think Benji says he sees occasionally on rides in the Lacole kit. But if you want to check them out, they're at www.lecole.cc. They've been supporting the show since its inception last year. That's When night leaves DSM. He goes to Jumbo Visma, Benji. And I think this is the perfect signing for Yumbo Visba and that there's also not a lot of riders who can cobble, who can do a bit of a sprint lead out third to second last man, and who can do medium mountains or some steady gradient high mountains in stage races as a domestique as well. So the opposite really in PR though, Benji, when the DSM press release was like Tej could not deliver on his promises to the team, so he's leaving. <laughs> like why do they do that? It's, it's, it's so just fucking so stupid.
2: stupid. Uh, yeah, I agree. Because like, you've got this, uh you know, one of those writers where he's always honest in interviews, he's always talking about everything that went wrong, and is very critical to that, but also gives constructive feedback to that in interviews and so forth, how he could do better. So he's kind of always reevaluating what he does wrong. And I feel it very unbelievable that he's the kind of writer that is so annoyed by everything coming around in, in DSM that he's becoming a really annoying guy in the team. That doesn't feel like Tijmineau to me. But all in all, I uh, I don't like how they handled this and it's the same with a lot of stuff that DSM has handled in the last couple of weeks. I do truly believe, just like you, that it's a great transfer for Jumbo. Uh, well, quite simply because he's very versatile. We've spoken a lot about the lack of support of, with Wout Fanat, the lack of support that Wout Fanat had in the couple races this season. And... That's partially because Tourneson was injured at a certain point at the start of the season, but also we've seen quite a few improvements for that for the next season. And I think that Benoît coming to this team with Laporte as well, that's an addition to that team that Benoît might even be in the finals of those races, helping out about Fennard. While yeah, while he didn't really have that, outside of Gendwevelheim, where he had Nathan van Hooydonk, for example. So he just has more supporting in cobble races. And like you said, he's very versatile, meaning he can do so in other races as well. Plus, he's also slightly competitive. Just in case you send him to a smaller race, he can still do something. But one thing I don't see happening is that I don't see him following those uh, one-week stage race dreams that I heard him speak about a year or two ago. So that's something that I don't <laughs> see happening. But I don't believe that's too much of an issue. Like, he's not the youngest guy. Really? He's not 22. Yeah, what?
0: Well,
1: isn't, isn't that what he wants though? Like, isn't, isn't that why he might have been unhappy? Uh, I don't
2: think uh, that's an option here at Yumbo. Yeah, well,
1: no, I agree. In that if I'm of Israel, I'm like Tesh, There ain't going to be no paris GC anymore. We've got Dumoulin, Jonas, and Roglic, and like It's probably even better than him as well. Like, you know, I see him here as almost complete domestique.
2: Yeah, and like, what is it with riders who have a very clear versatility in multiple terrains where they're very damn good, and then they, out of nowhere, decide we're gonna focus on one week stage races, or I'm gonna try and podium the Tour de France, like Lutsenko said the other day. Like, mate, you can win three Grand Tour stages if you focus on it and are in good form. Why would you do that? Then <laughs> then end up sixth in the end. <laughs> like, I don't know. I feel like. Um, I see a lot of riders who have this very good aspect and then decide to follow other goals that are less entertaining, but also less interesting and less likely to happen. And yes, riders can always dream of those, but you've, you've got strengths. Use them.
1: Just to remind people of that versatility, this year, 5th at Paranese GC with two, to- uh, a 6th on Colmien, the, the mountain stage. 15th at E3, 12th at RVV, 15th at Amstel, 7th at Liège. And then eighth at Benelux Tour. And then I think at the Olympic road race, he did a uh, lead out. He did a pull for van Art on Makuni Pass. But uh, yeah, I just, even if even if you just focused on all those things, I don't really, I just see him still as a domestique, even if he honed in on those things. And now van Art, no excuses anymore for van Art in the classics. You're going from basically Van Hooydonk now to Turnisson, Laporte, Teich and Nathan Van Hooydonk. That's a pretty good, very, very, very good squad, actually. So, yeah, that's... Uh, we'll see how well art goes next year. But, yeah, good for Tej Benoit. I guess going to, to Jumbo Visma, I'll see how his... This will be interesting to see how his TT goes, Benji, because he came 47th in paris in that TT... I think he I think his T will improve just by just by seeing the difference in setups next year. Uh, yeah, but Jumbo
2: will he need point? it if he doesn't go for one week's yeah, day race? True. I mean,
1: <laughs> couldn't he couldn't he do, couldn't he win Benelux or podium Benelux? I guess they got Dumo there.
2: Yeah, they they could still have Dijonod you know, go for Benelux, you're right, but is it that big of a deal? <laughs> no, for Jumbo, I mean... at least. <laughs>
1: I mean, yeah, I guess probably not. And he's been doing like Tour de Swiss, et cetera, for GC in, in previous years. But that's Tej Benoit move. We'll cover more on de- that sort of in detail on DSM podcast, the, their team preview. We'll talk about what the hell is going on. DSM, obviously, the big article dropped on the day of their team launch. I almost felt sorry for them <laughs> on the SportsA about the culture and the team. And then I uh, will also cover Benoit and Vanart, et cetera, in the, classics uh, in the Yumbo Visma preview but other news and let us know would you like a sort of more formal every week in the off season like a news roundup because there's been so much news in the off season it's been it's been you know very busy but this news Omi Opiomi, Opie judgment Benji the woman you know i think early 30s who crashed Tony Martin or Tony Martin crashed into her has been fined by the correction, criminal correction court in Brest fifteen hundred euro, I think, or eleven hundred euro, and then she got another five hundred euro fine, and she paid a one euro symbolic fine to the Writers Association, the French one, and that's not, no no jail time, nothing else, just sort of a symbolic. I know fifteen hundred euros, a fair chunk of change, but it's not it's not going to like bankrupt most people. Yeah. Um, do you think this is i think it's reasonable given that the deterrent is her face was on the media for like two months and that would have been pretty scary
2: yeah this was one of the most viral events in cycling in the last few years i would dare to say because i saw youtubers and news outlets across the universe well across the world uh all broadcast this event and yeah it's an incident that is not something that we like to be representative of our sport when we watch cycling but it happened and it became pretty viral as a consequence there's a lot of criticism to this one person and i think this money is not the biggest penalty here for this person i think the biggest punishment is that she basically got scrutinized for multiple months which in my opinion kind of deservedly because uh yeah (laughs) she didn't kind of (laughs) ruin a the first date to of the Tour de France for us, but uh and certainly for the riders, which is the worst part of it all. And um yeah, all in all I would dare to say that I find it good that it's not a jail time kind of thing. Because I saw very mixed reactions on social media surrounding this punishment in the sense that some people were like, Yeah, that's fine. That's good. Because like she already had the biggest thing being the sensibilization campaign that it brought that you shouldn't be having a, a cardboard in the middle of the road when you're by the side of the road stuff like that like everybody has seen the event that is near to cycling and everybody knows now we probably shouldn't do that there's always going to be one idiot that does it again obviously but um yeah i feel like that is the biggest important factor here the fact that i dare to say people should now know that this is stupid to do and yes uh i don't know you're the lawyer here like what if I take a cardboard stand by the side of the road and a random bike rider rides into it?
1: <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, you'd probably still be in trouble. What well, if you stood in the middle of the road and just held out a sign and someone and that traffic went into you? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a problem. Would it be a bigger problem than a twelve hundred dollar fine? Pro- like, depends on the injuries or. The cost of the damage, like if you wreck your bike, most bikes cost more than that. So yeah, it'd probably be more than that. <laughs> and she certainly caused over a hundred thousand euros worth of damage, I think, to bikes and probably what's the cost to Movistar or where's Yasha Sutherland, You know those guys. Yeah. Like, is, obviously, the fine is not representative of the actual economic damage she caused. But would jail time? What would it, what would it achieve? Like, is she is she a persistent? Like, who's that guy who keeps going into, like, in the UK, keeps going into uh, stadiums to, like, impersonate players and goes on the pitch all the time? The pitch invader. I, I'm not sure she's a persistent offender that, you know, needs to be sent to jail. Well, I, I doubt it. If she, I, if she does it again, send her to jail. But as well, it, it did, as ben, you said, spark the conversation about, okay, their messaging then came out from Tour de France about spectators respecting the riders, et cetera. They sometimes don't expect how quickly they come up to you, how they use all of the road. Still, we see – like I, I'll be honest, I preferred it when there was no fans. COVID race, <laughs> I preferred it. I get really stressed out on mountain stages and I think yep. seeing fans running by riders, it's just – Makes no sense to me. Just absolute idiots. And that still happens. And, you know, imagine like, imagine like Champions League a, a players threw on goal and they get knocked, they get knocked to the ground by a pitch invader. Like, imagine a rider on a mountain stage ooh, having a Lopez, you know, knocked to the ground. Like, it's, it's crazy that sort of it happens in cycling. And then even people got mad at Lopez for giving that guy a few, a few taps that he deserved. Anyway, Omiopi's done small fine four or five months later and uh we'll see we'll see what the messaging is like next year i reckon they might use it you know before the tour next year benji i wouldn't be surprised to see campaigns about this showing the damage that can happen uh for next year yeah um i even sorry last before, last point, i even think plugger if i, I might misquote plugger was like i he's like forget the court stuff he would have preferred if They'd used her and she became like a spokesperson in, in some campaigns for rider safety would have been more productive in his view, the head of the manager of Yambo Visma, which I'm inclined to agree with. Uh, That's a bit of a Yambo Visma love party, this this podcast, unlike unlike. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, last news this week, and this has been throughout this week, and maybe it's just because it's the off-season. Uh, this blew up mostly on Twitter. and Mentioning this mainly because we mentioned this rider – Coincidentally, in our Tour de France Femme avec Zwift parkour review, as a potential rider to win the first stage and take the yellow jersey, it's Olivia Ray on uh, Ray, no, Ray on rally cycling. But they're going to be called human power health next year, going up to World Tour level. So that we sh- you should expect to see her in Europe next year. Twenty-three-year-old sprinter from New Zealand. Anyway, she raced uh, into the Lions Den criterium. I think like 40 days ago in October, which was billed as like the highest paying criterium and one of the highest prize pools for women in all cycling this year. And there was like a 15000 US dollar check for the winner of the women's race, which she won. And she posted on Twitter being like, I haven't been paid by uh, the race yet. This was, you know, this week, which was I think it was like 37 days later. Yeah. She'd also mess- emailed, I believe, Cycling News. Cycling News had, con- had then spoken to her and her team rally, saying they'd reached out to the organizer to ask where's the uh, where's the payment, and they hadn't received contact back from into the Lions Den race organizer. And then she took to Twitter about it, and then it blew up on Twitter. And there's lots of various reactions. Benji, now my initial reaction was it's perfectly normal to not be paid. I think. Up to 60 days because there's a 30-day payment or 28-day payment after the event for the sponsors paying the race organizer and then they need to have a buffer to then pay pay out and I think UCI races are supposed to be within 90 days, but 60 days seems fine so this is within 60 days. I think what the problem here is the they didn't seem to get a response from the race organizer which kind of raised alarm bells and when there's a huge prize pool on offer and when it's 15k and you're a women's ship pro conti rider not a world tour rider like that's a lot of money and i think first of all like do you think she really did anything wrong by taking the twitter or talking to cycling news about this?
2: i believe it all depends on the situations behind the scenes what i read from this uh, entire storyline is that it seems like she had no answer she didn't get any response from the organizers and as a consequence yeah obviously you're gonna get triggered by that even if it's 37 days if you ask them stuff about it and they don't respond, well then you're gonna take it publicly because they're not responding to you. Like, I find that a logical reaction. I really so, yeah. don't blame uh Olivia for doing that here. So if that is the case, then uh I don't see the issue here. And I um I agree that sixty days kind of the the region I'd be looking at as well, but that is in case you know that it will be paid in those sixty days. She was in the situation apparently where she did not get the answer and as a consequence wasn't sure. So uh that's why it was uh thrown on twitter and obviously when people see it on twitter it gets shared and people start um bashing the organizers and i think that's where everything uh doubled i think the situation a bit of a a burning effect everything uh just exploded from that point onwards
1: well yeah that's why we waited we wanted to see everyone everyone have a chance to say their side of it because she initially tweets that and i'm like it looks bad, but I don't know. We don't know at that point. They could have emailed her back, Benji, being like, we're paying you next week. We, you don't know that at that point. And I was thinking, okay, maybe the race organizer is going to come out and be like, listen, we, we've we had clear lines of communication. We told them two weeks ago, listen, we're getting the check in, et cetera. But that didn't appear to happen. And uh, Cycling Tips did a pretty bizarre piece on this, frankly. Um, and, yeah, like I thought it was quite odd uh basically being like, yeah, the it, it didn't really confirm that it didn't really say clearly that Ray had reached out and not received answers and then but it did confirm that the money sort of wasn't there and it was only when she tweeted that then they started get she started getting answers and the organizers still haven't made a public statement about it uh to date, which is the morning of Saturday, eleventh of December. So very odd. What was also sort of I found pretty appalling, frankly, was some of the comments from, I think it was Ty Williams or Ty Magna. I think that yeah. two different Wolf. people on the Legion team who basically called it like they implied that she was acting like a child, like pretty directly on Twitter. And then they like, there was like a let them eat cake, let them race for gift cards post. And they weren't taken down pretty quickly. And I thought that was pretty disgraceful Appalling. frankly
2: yeah. yeah one of the one of the things that i saw was that someone i think uh spoke in dm to ty williams and got the response "Ah, oh, if you think this then you clearly don't know anything about bike racing like very offensive and the kind of uh effect from someone that is triggered and uh, just responds very uh i don't know very impulsively on something and probably regrets it at this point for doing so because uh ty magner's uh, twitter account is now gone at this point. I have not checked Ty Williams' Twitter account, if that's gone as well. But just a lot of Twitter action started happening and social media action because just a few, what, days later? Like a day or two later or a day later, we saw that Olivia Ray's post was gone and her Twitter account was was inactive at a certain point, And her Instagram account at some point as well. What do you think the story is behind that?
1: I don't know. I don't know whether. you'll You'll never know whether she was forced to post it because like that's the point of one of of a forced apology you don't come out and be like yeah we forced her to apologize (laughs) kind of of devalues it so you'll never know but it reads like the most scripted forced apology ever and it's it's so over the top that it's almost like it's it's literally unbelievable like it says you know i had no cause to do this like well you did have (laughs) cause like people weren't responding to your emails and again as i say 60-day payment or even 90-day payment if that's if there's clear timelines or timeframes given i don't i see no problem with that it's a huge pot of money for a criterion it makes sense that it takes time to get that all organized but this blew up as benji said into a pr disaster because there was poor communication if you tell the riders when it's happening it doesn't happen and even if you tell them when it's happening oh you know And then they go on Twitter and roast you. You can be like, "Excuse me, like we told you, it's going to be paid in sixty days. Like, why are you going on Twitter?" And that didn't happen. So, even even then, Benji, it still couldn't have been a big problem if if they just if if the organizer just responded to her tweet, being like, "Sorry about the communication issues, Olivia. Uh, We've sent you a DM, uh, just giving you further details." And you know, we can hopefully we can resolve exactly. It
2: it it dies completely. Dies. Yeah. (laughs) exactly it's it's crazy how like it's so obvious how this could have gone very differently if they even just spoke a little bit more we wouldn't be talking about it yeah we wouldn't be talking about it there wouldn't be articles left and right about it they wouldn't be scrutinized on twitter because this is obviously having a bit of a pr disaster towards both the organizers which is also a legion at this point and uh those writers who are involved in that uh, entire situation on social media. So, yeah, that would all have been avoided if communication happened.
1: Yeah, so, yeah, a bit of a strange, and it's like, oh, you know, why why are you covering it? It's American domestic racing. I guess, well, Olivia Ray is going on, onto a World Tour team next year, and it's a huge prize pot, whether it's a World Tour race or not, although that is a distinction between this race and, say, a Joe Martin stage race, in that I don't believe there was anti-doping at this race, because it's not a—I don't think it's a UCI race. So yep. usually, I think the the argument for UCI races, whether it's plausible or not, is that they wait to pay out later because they want to wait till the anti-doping results clear, so they don't give money to someone who's who's cheated. But that doesn't really really apply here. And it turns out, Benji, from the cycling tips article, she was kind of right to be questioning it in that the money seemed to only drop like last week. So yeah. And the article even says it might be there, it might not be there. So if, if I was her, there seemed to be a few alarm bells. But anyway, hopefully hopefully that all gets resolved uh, shortly. I, I look forward to seeing her for Human Powered Health competing at the Tour de France. France, bad name. Ex- <laughs> Human Powered Health, yeah.
2: Yeah, like it's it's not a good name. Rally was a great name for a team. Yeah, Human Powered Health is not. HBH. <laughs> HPH <laughs> damn when you put it like
1: that yeah that is funny but I look forward to Olivia Ray at HPH taking out the Tour de <laughs> France with Sprint next uh, first stage Sprint next year maybe we'll see how she goes she's got some big numbers but that's been our sort of weekly news wrap up hope you enjoyed it this emergency podcast and let us know down below whether you'd like us to do a sort of similar thing throughout the off season in future make sure you give us a review on podcast players or like the video down below on youtube thanks for the call for supporting the podcast and we'll see you in the next one ciao